0: Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg.
1: And I'm John Fensterwald.
0: Well, John, this week we'll be taking a look at soda and the push to reduce the consumption of these unhealthy drinks. In the past four years, four communities in California have imposed taxes on sodas at a local level and other sugary
1: drinks. You know, health advocates in other California communities were looking to have similar taxes. But as a result of an agreement reached in the legislature a few weeks ago, local communities will no longer be able to tax soda for another 13 years. We'll also continue our discussion about the state's new online community college and why much of a nation is watching California to see if it works.
0: Okay, before we get to higher education, let's talk about soda. Four years ago, the city of Berkeley became the nation's first city to tax sugary drinks. Nearby Albany, Oakland, and San Francisco passed similar taxes soon after. So this was pretty much a Northern California Bay Area movement. But uh, the beverage industry has been working to keep this grassroots movement from spreading.
1: Yeah, you know, one strategy the industry pursued was to be a major supporter of a larger business-backed initiative That was scheduled to be on the November ballot. It would have severely restricted all local government taxes and could really have hurt government's ability to provide a range of services.
0: In a compromise deal, the soda industry and other backers of the initiative agreed to withdraw it. And instead, the legislature agreed to place a 13-year ban on taxing groceries at a local level. That would obviously include sodas. It was a tough decision to make, in fact, almost all Democrats supported it, as well as Republicans. And uh, we have on the line David Washburn, our student wellness reporter, who is based in San Diego, to talk about what comes next.
1: So, David, how are health advocates responding? Do they, do they have other tactics that they're thinking about trying?
2: They've responded by just widespread condemnation of this deal that went down in Sacramento. And they're also responding with an effort to put a statewide soda tax on the ballot, hoping for 2020. This has been announced already by the California Dental Association and the California Medical Association, and there is a lot of hope that the momentum from the taxes that had already been passed, that they can recapture that momentum and perhaps pass a statewide ban. Statewide taxes are certainly harder to pass than local taxes, And also there's uh, the concern that will local communities get the money, get the revenue from a statewide tax like they would in a local tax. But they're certainly optimistic that they can perhaps get this statewide ban perhaps as early as 2020.
1: So, David, would this be the first state to do a, a tax?
2: If California were to pass a statewide tax, yes, we would be the first to have such a tax.
0: It seems like this would be a huge battle. So absolutely no guarantees that something like this would get through. If the soda industry was worried about Little Berkeley and Albany passing these taxes, they're going to be a lot more concerned about doing this on a statewide level. So let me ask you, are there things that local communities could do? You know, I know that there's been some push to have like warning labels on sodas. I guess that would be a statewide issue. Are there other things that could be done on a local level?
2: Yes, it's important to note that there is already a statewide ban on sugary drinks in schools. And that's been in effect for years since 2000, I think it was passed in 2004 and in 2005 it it went into effect. And there are specific districts that have even gone farther, for example, banning flavored milk, which has higher sugar content. So there's a lot happening in schools to keep it out of, you know, to keep sugary drinks out of schools. And then like you said, there is Uh, warning label campaigns going on, both at the local and county levels, and I think there's an effort at the state level as well. You know, the advocates, they're moving forward a lot of the educational campaigns. And so, you know, that's where they're at right now, pushing for the statewide tax, and then locally trying to do, you know, the things that you were saying in terms of reducing access in schools, and then keeping the educational campaigns. Interestingly, polling has shown, their internal polling has shown that people in low-income communities are very much in favor of taxes uh, relative to you know, more affluent white communities. So there is the educational component that they can still push.
0: Okay. Well, David, thank you so much for your reporting on this. We've been talking with David Washburn, our San Diego-based student wellness reporter. Thank you. John, on a personal note, one thing I've observed is that you have many adults, parents out there, who are drinking these unhealthy sodas, and otherwise they may be into healthy eating, healthy lifestyles, and so on. But sweetened drink sodas seem to be really entrenched in a kind of an American cultural lifestyle.
1: Well, I must say, when we never had soda around the house for my daughter, so she just never had it and has never wanted to try soda, and she's now in her twenties, but. In truth, I don't think she got it from her dad.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be an uphill struggle to get a ban like this passed statewide, but certainly something to watch. And talking about watching, the legislature has been out on recess the past few weeks. and
1: So the legislature... Comes back next week, and there'll be a flurry of activity. There'll be bills before the Senate and and Assembly appropriations, and there'll be a lot to talk about next week. A lot will be resolved between now and September 1st.
0: And very interesting, because this is the last legislative session for Jerry Brown, and so this is his last chance to kind of put his stamp on the California landscape, at least from a legislative point of view. One place where Jerry Brown has left his mark is with the online community college that he was able to convince the legislature to approve in June. We will talk with EdSource reporter Nico Savage about that next. We're here with Nico Savage. Nico is an EdSource reporter who has been following the new online community college. Welcome, Nico. Thank you for having me. Nico, tell me, there's been some discussion about how unusual this new online community college, which is slated to get up and running in the fall of 2019, but some questions as to how different this is from other online courses and other online efforts in California and nationally. Is this really something different? It is. I mean, it's basically a, a
3: new model for delivering some types of education that have existed in, in other ways before. California's online community college, when it launches, as you mentioned, in the fall of 2019, is going to be entirely focused around non-degree programs. So not associate's degrees or bachelor's degrees, but credential programs. These short sequences of classes that are really directly geared towards certain careers that are going to be there as worker training programs uh, meant to kind of quickly train up uh, people who don't have college degrees, people who maybe haven't attended college in the past, get them some, some quick and very job-oriented training that can help them pretty much immediately go into some some well-paying jobs that require education after high school but
0: don't necessarily require a full two- or four-year degree. And these are for people in the workplace already who Correct. need some skills to advance right. Some fashion. Right.
3: Right. And what California is trying to do is basically build an entire public institution around those sorts of needs. It basically draws from a a number of different existing influences. It's similar in some ways to worker training programs offered by companies to their employees. It's similar to job training offered by for-profit colleges. And it's also similar and draws some from the online degree programs that many public and private universities offer online already. But it basically takes all of those
0: existing ingredients and puts it into something that there's not really a direct precedent for so can't you just take courses that already exist and just kind of slot it in there or are they going to have to come up with some actually new types of courses or new ways of delivering these this instruction
3: yeah they're coming up with entirely new courses and programs what the online community college is going to have when it starts is three programs that are geared toward three types of jobs one is in medical coding which has to do with sort of inputting medical expenses for hospitals there's apparently a big demand for that there's also information technology that's the second program and the third program that the community college system has just recently announced is one for frontline supervisors. It's a little bit more general. It can apply to everything from retail jobs to government jobs, but it's basically training to help people go from being that first rung on the employee ladder to being a supervisor in some of those environments.
0: Okay, but just to push you a little bit, I mean, does sound like areas that a lot of people are concerned about. So would the courses be completely different? What would be different is that you would have a very narrowly
3: focused education for the students who are there as opposed to a sort of more comprehensive degree program that you would have at a four-year college or even a two-year college community college officials say this is going to be really narrowly focused on what are the skills that you are going to need specifically for these jobs it's not like you kind of go in and there's a bunch of different possible careers you can have although you with that frontline supervisor position it's a little bit more general there's something like that it is very narrowly focused directly toward these jobs that students are potentially going to have when they graduate.
0: Now, this was uh, really Governor Brown's baby. I mean, he's gotten a lot of support from the community college leadership, but this was his idea. And actually, a little known that Jerry Brown got his start in public office when he was elected to Community yep. College Board in 1969. So he's had a great interest in community colleges. Do you think the momentum will be sustained after he leaves office?
3: That's a good question. It's an important question, too, because this college is going to cost I believe it's about $100 uh, million to get off the ground, and then $20 million uh, a year for the next seven years. So there's going to have to be some sustained commitment to get this college going and keep it going over those years.
0: Yeah, that's definitely one challenge. But what, what are some of the other challenges as to what they are facing in getting this up and running?
3: Sure. So the two big ones first is for the actual students who are going to be attending the college. Are they going to stick with and finish their programs? online education, there there are some achievement gaps between students who attend college online versus in person. The online community college is going to have to take students who don't have college degrees, who maybe didn't attend any education after high school, and ensure that they are successful. Now, college officials say they're going to be offering 24-7 tutoring service. They're going to be offering a lot of help with financial aid, with advising, excuse me, with financial advising, I should say. And then Assuming those students are successful and they do graduate from these programs, the ultimate question is going to be, do these credentials have value for them in the workforce? Credentials are not maybe as easily understood as a traditional degree, as a two-year or a four-year
0: degree. You mentioned financial advising. How much is these courses going to cost? That's still being worked out. It is going to be based on the
3: community college system's $46 per credit model, which is the lowest fee model of any community college in the country. The question that still needs to get worked out, though, is what exactly counts as a credit in this online college that is going to be sort of unbound by some of the traditional academic, you know, credit structures and that sort of thing. But it's probably going to be much less expensive than some of the other options that students have had in this in the past at places like for-profit schools that tend to be much
0: more expensive. And you didn't mention this, but I imagine it's going to be a challenge to recruit people to take these courses. I mean, is the feeling you'll just offer these courses and you'll have potential population, I think, of 2.5 million of these so-called right. stranded workers, uh, 25 to 34 years old, But these are people who are not connected to higher education of any kind. So has that issue been raised? So that's going to be a, a big question for the online college. They're
3: going to have to cut through a lot of noise. It's a pretty crowded field, online education. You know, if you just Google online college, you're probably going to find A lot of different options, whether it's from four-year universities doing online colleges to for-profit institutions to pretty much everything in between. So they're going to have to make the case that this option is a better one for workers, that it can get them trained up and earning more money faster.
0: And twist the arm to do this, to take advantage of this opportunity. And, And get them to stick with those courses, too. Well, Nico, thank you so much. I know you'll be tracking this and you'll keep us posted. There's going to be a lot of activity on this over the next 12 months to get this up and running. A lot of work to be done. Certainly. And that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. Thanks to our sponsor, the S.D. Beckville Jr. Foundation. Our producer is Shuka Kalatari. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra. You can find us on iTunes and at edsource.org podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.